Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for your word, your word that reveals Jesus to us. We pray also for your, for your Holy Spirit to just activate that word and work in our hearts now as we, we learn of you and hear from uh, what you've prepared in my heart to share. And I just pray that you give us ears to hear and help us to just come away changed and uh, more in love with you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, if you're like us, you love to have a fireplace at this time of year. And uh, with the rolling blackouts and everything, it's even better when you can get a little bit of extra heat coming in. But, you know, fireplaces, even when we didn't have a fireplace, we would put on a, a, a streaming video of a fireplace on our TV last when we were in Mississippi because we just like the light. It's just uh, light at this time of year is fascinating. We love to go down the streets. I mean, that's part of the tradition of Christmas is you see the houses lit up and we decorate the church with lights and lights outside and and it's just fun. And where would that come from? Well, you know, I've been told that it came from in the past. It was a way to just make a dreary winter more, you know, cheerful. And, of course, there's the element of warmth that comes from it, too. But mostly it's just to brighten things up. And we feel better when we see light. And light is fascinating. And our street now where we're living, uh, many houses light up. And Jennifer has to tell me to keep my eyes on the road when we're driving home. But I'm just fascinated. I, oh, look, isn't that pretty? And that's pretty. And, and light is fascinating. I mean, who doesn't like a fireworks display, right? You like to see the fireworks? It's, it's Why? The light is fascinating. So I think about this night that we read about with the shepherds in the fields. And it says, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I mean, what could be more fascinating than the glory of the Lord? Suddenly, here you are in your dreary work and you're just the same business as usual and all of a sudden there is an interruption, an invasion of light. Not just light, but glory. And you know, we're fascinated with light. How much more fascinating is the glory of God? And so they said they were afraid. The angel said, fear not, for behold. And that's the glory of God. The glory of Jesus Christ appeared, invaded that silent night. It wasn't silent anymore, by the way. They were shouting, glory to God, glory in the highest. For that moment, it wasn't silent. But how fascinating. And when the invasion of something extraordinary and fascinating enters into the scene, it changes the atmosphere. It changes everything. And that's really what happens when Jesus Christ comes into your heart. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. We, we talk about the light, and we know the glory of the Lord shone around them. But when you're confronted with the glory of the Lord, and everyone will be at one day, because in the end, the Bible tells us Jesus will be glorified before all. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, and the glory will be astounding. In the book of Revelation, we see John uh, seeing the, the glorious risen Jesus, and he falls down as if dead, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. Again, fear not. Isn't that a wonderful thing about Christmas? Jesus comes and says, fear not. He doesn't want us to fear, but he wants us to intertwine inter with his glory, to partake in his glory. 
and there is glory to be had. You might say, my life isn't so glorious right now, or what can I do to, to get right with God? And this is what Christmas is all about. So the glory of the Lord shone all around him. The shepherds said, we must go see this thing. And there's nothing more fascinating than the light of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more fascinating than Jesus Christ, and yet you need eyes of faith to see that at this point. I said that he's going to return, and every knee shall bow, every tongue confess, because then it won't be by faith, it'll be by sight. But now it's by faith. And so when the shepherds went and they saw a little helpless baby in a manger, they weren't put off by it. I mean, they were excited, but it took eyes of faith because looking at a baby in a in a manger is probably not the most glorious sight that you would be fascinated with but that didn't put them off and to the eyes of faith it shouldn't put us off because actually as we spoke last week in our service here that was a, a glorious gift of mercy that Jesus came as a baby why well because it was the gift of God this world, in case you haven't noticed, is off track. This world is broken. And why is it broken? It's because we're guilty. Every single one of us is guilty. Since the beginning, and you're all familiar with Adam and Eve and the fall of mankind and the sin that entered our world, that is the problem. And sin must be judged by a holy God. So throughout history, there has been a remedy for this. God didn't want to come and judge the earth right away. God wanted to give us a chance. And so he comes on Christmas Eve, not as a judge in glorious flaming fire, in robes of the law, but he comes as a helpless little baby so that we can approach him, so that we can have him, God in the flesh with us, that we can understand the mercy and the gift, the Christmas gift. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Well, we, it represents the gift that God gave to us. He didn't come and smite the earth and give us the judgment that we deserve. He came as a baby, and he grew up, and he lived among us so that he could point us to the Lord in the right way. And so it says in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 79, that God gave his Son to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, we were sitting in the shadow of death and he gave us light through Christ to give us peace. So Christmas, the Christmas gift is that God loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You don't have to fear death because of Jesus. You don't have to fear judgment because of Jesus. God wanted you to have peace. And there's so little peace in this world at this time, right? And what do they mean when they said peace on earth, goodwill towards men? We haven't seen peace on earth, have we? Well, they weren't talking about that. They weren't talking about all the nations finally getting it together and singing Kumbaya. They were talking about peace with God. There was reconciliation. Well, why do I need to be reconciled to God? Well, because you've fallen short of the glory of God. There's sin. There is guilt. There is... We, none of us can stand up and measure to the law or to the glory of God. And so, peace on earth, goodwill. Christmas reflects God's desire not to judge you and send you to an awful end, but to give you peace and a hope. And, and what we talked about with the candles, light, love, joy. 
So it was, was from the beginning God's desire. You say, well, God wants us to have peace. God loves us and everything. Why is the world in such a mess? And it's all revealed here. And tonight, I'm going to give you a treat. I'm going to give you a full understanding of the Bible in just a few short minutes here. You can become Bible scholars tonight without going to seminary. I can tell you the whole message of this book. And a lot of people don't know what it is. You know, they know it says something about Christmas. They know it says something about Jesus coming. Uh, and they know it talks about the flood and everything. But they really don't understand the message of this book. So you are the lucky participants tonight to be here at Faith Bible Fellowship in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, because without going to seminary, you can know the entire message of this book. And it's summed up in four simple C's. Four simple C's. C number one, creation. C number two, conflict. C number three, cross. And C number four, consummation. Creation, conflict, cross, consummation. There it is. That's the entire message of this book. Creation. God created this world not in the mess that it's in. He never intended that we had such suffering, tragedy, illness, pain, heartache, anxiety, despair, loneliness. He never wanted that in the beginning. He created a perfect environment with Adam and Eve. He, he gave them everything. said, of all the trees you can eat except that one. But what did they do? They didn't look at what they had. They looked at what they didn't have. And they ate of the one and sin enters the world. God would have desired them to obey and not fall. And in obedience, there's life. And so the creation was disrupted by sin. That's the conflict. There's now a conflict between man and God. In the day you eat it, you shall surely die, he told Adam and Eve. But... They didn't die right away. They died spiritually, but they still lived on. And God started to present a way to get them out of this conflict. And they, he gave them the law. So you go through the Old Testament, there is the law. Live by these standards, you'll be blessed. Disobey these standards, you'll be cursed. And Israel was the chosen people who would reflect God's law and be a light to the nations to show the nations they could, they could know God as well through this but Israel failed and failed and failed as we fail and fail and fail. We want to do right. We mess up. We fail. And many times, God would have been just just to say it's over with mankind. But instead, he kept having mercy, and he said, I'm going to prepare a Savior. And the prophets were sent to Israel and said, there's going to be one coming. We read about in our first passage tonight. Uh, the virgin shall give birth to a child, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. All through the Old Testament, there's prophecies of the coming one. They call him the Messiah, and he will make things right. And so we have creation was good, conflict messed up creation, and then through the line of Judah in Israel, the Christ was born. They were looking for who it would be, who it would be. And so when those shepherds were tending the fields and the news came, behold, he's born this day. Can you imagine? They're, all the background, all the history, all the education, what they must have thought, really, is this the time that the Savior is here? And the Savior was there. And the Savior lived and reflected and showed God. He was the Word of God. He was God in the flesh. But 
his nation did not understand. They thought, well, that's it. He's going to fix the world and all the good things we like. He's going to free us from the Roman occupation of Israel, all that. But he came to fix the heart. And so he didn't give the Jewish nation exactly what they wanted at the time. And it took eyes of faith, again, faith, to believe that he was the one. And to those who believed, it says he gave eternal life. And so he collected a band of disciples. He started to minister through them and to them. And, and uh, he preached and taught. And finally, he went to, number three, the cross. Why did he have to go to the cross? Because that was the sacrifice that was required for you and me so that we wouldn't have to receive punishment for our sins. This was the conflict. Remember, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us could keep the law, but Jesus did. He was no ordinary human being. He was not just human being. He was God in the flesh, the Savior. And because he obeyed perfectly, he fulfilled the law, he took the punishment on our behalf, and it was just. God was just in receiving you and me because the perfect one died in our place. The punishment, the sentence has been fulfilled. The payment has been made. And we can live though we deserve to die. And that's the glorious gift of Christmas, the act of mercy that this Savior was born and he went through his life. He went to the cross and took our punishment. But then he didn't just stay on that cross. He was buried and three days later rose from the dead, totally proving he was the Son of God. And by rising from the dead, he lives, he sends his spirit and we're not just forgiven, but to those who receive him, we receive his very righteousness in our lives, his very power, his love, and his grace and mercy to live our lives and to have a relationship with him that frees us from the curse. And so you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear judgment. Jesus came as a helpless baby that we could receive so that we could stand before him when he returns again in flaming fire. The Bible says he will come again, and he's going to bring the justice. You say, where's the justice? When, when are things going to be right in this world? They're not going to be right until Jesus returns. But if we all receive that justice, then we'd have to go with it. He has offered the gift of eternal life to any who would receive him by faith. Again, it takes faith, and it says, I receive you. I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I receive that as the punishment for my sins, and I turn to you to receive your resurrection life that I may live in league with you, Lord, to know you, to know the love, joy, peace, hope, to be a light in the world just as Jesus was the light, that light would be shining in my heart. Who can stand when he comes? Those who had room for him in the end. Is there room for him in your end, in your heart? He wants to come and bring this light. And the light, when it says when he returns, he's coming on the clouds as if he's stomping on the clouds of darkness and just bringing all the glorious light of heaven into this world. Same thing can happen right now when you take him into your heart. The light of Christ can come in and push out the fog and the clouds and the darkness, the the despair, the hopelessness, the anxiety, the unrest, the, the pains of the curse. The light can shine. And this doesn't have to be a meaningless existence here. You can he can raise you up to a life of significance greater than you've ever had before. 
And it's really the only true significance because we're all just passing through this world. And if it's not in league with God, if it's not with him, it's all finally in vain. God doesn't want that. He wants the best for us. And the world mocks Christians. The, the devil is out there trying to keep the truth away. Why? Because God has better for each and every one of us. And we have enemies out there. The enemies, spiritual darkness and spiritual enemies that want to keep us from all the, the riches of the Christmas gift. And the Christmas gift is a gift that keeps on giving. It's not just receiving once, but it keeps giving. You can live for Jesus. Jesus can live in you. And you cannot, you cannot measure up ever, but he can change you. See, you receive Christ, and he changes you. And that's what I'm asking you to do tonight. If you haven't received Jesus, if you haven't received the gift, he wants to come in and give himself to you. What, what do you get out of it? You get eternal life. And eternal life starts the moment you receive it. It's not just when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I can start to understand what I'm here for now and have a fellowship with God now. That's eternal life. It's not just eternal life too, it's the gift of himself. You can actually know the greatest being in all the universe, the one who created the universe. You can actually have a knowledge and an experience of God in your life because he didn't come as a judge on that silent night. He came as a baby so that we could have access, that we would not be afraid, and that uh, we would have uh, the boldness to be able to fellowship with him, to have relationship with him. Would you receive him tonight? This is a night that could change everything. And that's what Christmas was. That's what we, we, we have discussed. It was the night that changed everything, and it can be a night that changes everything for you as well. Let's pause and pray and just reflect for a moment on these things and ask the Lord to reveal them to your heart. We're going to continue with the candle lighting and finish up. John 8:12 says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that Jesus is not a light, he is the light. And at creation, the Lord said, "Let there be light." And there was light. The power of God. On Christmas Eve, the night of Christ's birth, it was the same thing. It was like the Lord was saying, let there be light. And the Christ child was born. And then he speaks to us, let there be light. You don't have to walk in the past or the old. You can be made new with the light and the new creation in Christ. So, we light the Christ candle. The Christ candle is in the center of the wreath, and as we considered that Jesus gives light to everyone who comes to him, he is the center of our lives. And he is the king. He is uh, with us in the middle of everything. And as he's in the middle, we also can participate in the hope and the peace, the joy and the love. And not only do we have these, we have the privilege to be able to spread these as well.
so as we light these candles with each other, let's just think about the privilege we have to receive the light and also the privilege we have to share the light. The world is out there in need. The world needs you. And if you have God, you've got what it takes. You say, I don't have what it takes, neither do I. But God is the one that works. He works through faith. None of us can measure up, but he gives us his light. And when we're, we respond to that, we can spread it. And that's the good news of the gospel.